Hey Pursuit Family, Pastor Jordan here. Uh, I am so excited uh, to make this video for you. We're gonna spend the next few minutes detailing and outlining what I believe is the solid future direction of Pursuit Church. Uh, but before we talk about the next 25 years, I wanna spend a second talking about the last 10 years. Uh, it was 10 years ago uh, that I was actually sitting with one of our elders, Mark Kell. We had just recently uh, watched a message of a great leader um, who had pastored for many, many, many years. And at the end of the message, he made a quote. He said a quote, people, uh, usually church planners, highly overestimate what they can do in their own power in five years and deeply underestimate what God can do in 25 years. And it was this quote that just spurned a conversation between me and Mark Kell. And it was one of those conversations where I felt the Holy Spirit just call me personally, call me to be absolutely 100% committed to what God is doing over the long term in our community. I felt beyond the shadow of a doubt that I would be here and pastor this church until the day I die. That's my hope, that's my belief. And I stand here before you today just as committed as I was then. I believe that the core of our church, the core of our staff, the core of our leadership, starting with me, is 100% committed to seeing what God is going to do over the next 50 years. I love this community and I wanna pour my life out to this community. I cannot wait, I cannot wait to see what God has in store for us. And I wanna share with you guys the 25 year vision, the, the dreams that we have, the things that we believe God is calling this house to do in our community and even beyond our community. But before I get into the 25 year vision, I want us to see and hear and know and remember the three core principles that we as a church are committed to more than anything else. Our number one priority is what we call gospel-centered expansion. We believe that it is a calling on our life to, to reach out to those who are lost, to find them, to present the gospel to them, to disciple them, to teach them, to train them up, uh, to become Christ followers. This is one of the, the sole drivers, specifically of my life personally. We love doing everything that we can to get the gospel out. That also means that we love technology. We love broadcasting, we love social media. We love even things like TikTok because what the world creates and uses for its own purposes, we we believe that we can take that and use that to expand the gospel and to reach people. Over the last two years, we have seen this happen in significantly powerful ways. The second thing that we are utterly committed to is to love God and to love people. Uh, we break that down into two different things. We think that loving God means that we fall in love with Him, that we spend time with Him, that we worship Him, that we honor Him, that we give Him glory with our lives. We believe that worship is, is far more than just song, but we believe that worship, corporate worship, gathering together to sing and to worship and to play instruments and to glorify God is a powerful part of our relationship with God. And though we believe that worship is more than just what happens in, in, on the weekend gatherings, we still believe wholeheartedly uh, that corporate worship, that worshiping God, that falling in love with Him, to worshiping together as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and leading others in worship in other places is a significant part of loving God uh, and, and loving people. The second part of that is loving people. 
And we believe that this is, again, just a crazy high calling that's on our life. We believe that all scripture, everything Jesus teaches us, teaches us to love people, to have compassion on people, and to reach out to them right where they are. When you love someone, truly love someone uh, in the name of Jesus, and they feel that love, that impacts them, that affects them, that changes them. And we have seen over, we have seen literally hundreds to thousands of people come to Christ over the years simply because they felt the love of Jesus long before they heard a sermon, long before they heard a song, long before they stepped foot in a building, uh, they felt the love of Christ. And that's what opened up the door and opened up their mind to Jesus. And the third core principle that we are committed to as a church is to minister to the whole body of Christ from birth to death. Now, I can't minister uh, to everyone, the whole body of Christ from birth to death, but the body of Christ can minister to the body of Christ. We believe this is the way that Christ has orchestrated the church. We believe this is the way Christ has built the church for us to love each other, care for each other, and minister to one another. Over the last 10 years, we have launched over 30 ministries uh, built and given and executed to see these things done, to minister to people right where they are. One of the most powerful ways that we have done this of the last 10 years and we'll continue to do this is to raise up leaders. We invest in them with time, we train them, we give them resources and we launch them and we, it becomes a ministry that affects and changes lives. This is something we believe we're called to do. This is the foundation of this vision that we believe God is doing over the next 10 years, 25 years and 50 years. These are the three things that we have held on to from day one and these will continue to be the things that uh, are the foundation for the future. And I wanna take a minute and I wanna share with you uh, what I believe the next 10 to 25 years can look like. I believe that not only will we have a larger uh, worship facility, a space where we can gather together on the weekends, a, a space where we can worship God. I think that we'll be able to have a school, or one, one that we've already launched, we've already stepped into this part. I think that, that in the next 10 to 25 years, we will have a, a full K through uh, eighth grade, potentially even K through high school, Christ-centered school. I believe that this will have a significant impact on our local community and beyond. I believe that we'll be able to have an outreach center, a fully functional outreach center that is the sole purpose of reaching people right in the middle of their needs. I think that we'll be able to have a fully functioning counseling center to be able to walk with people and shepherd people uh, through a spiritual Christ-centered way. Another thing that we believe is something that is in the very near future is to be able to buy and build and create a crisis home for children. Even in our local area around us, there are a significant amount of children who find themselves in significant, significant crisis needs. I don't believe that it's the government's responsibility to take care of these children. I think that we have an opportunity and we have an uh, obligation even uh, to care and to love these children and to impact them right where they are. This is something that we are excited about uh, coming up in the near future. We believe that one of the greatest opportunities of ministry is right when people go through sicknesses uh, and even leading them to death. We believe that is a realistic possibility in the next 10 to 25 years uh, to have a ministry like a fully Christ-centered hospice, uh, to be able to minister to people in this uh, place of their life and minister to their families. This is something that has become increasingly uh, passionate for us and our team and our staff. I think that, that everything that I've just shared with you, I think is very real and this is something we are driving at. I think that there is these things and so much more. I think that sometimes it, it, it is a, it's a necessity 
uh, for the people of God to really just look up and remember the God that they serve and remember the things that God has called us to and to change our faith and put our faith in God in a new way and let God dictate the size of our vision. Let God dictate the size of our future. You know, God from day one has put significant callings on our life from Adam and Eve uh, to Abraham to Moses and the people of Israel. God has never hesitated to put significant callings on our life and all it requires of us is to trust him and to move forward. And I believe that right here and right now, God has a massive calling on the life of this church and on, uh, on me, on our team, on our staff, on our uh, core people, on our volunteers and on you and even on our community. Uh, I believe that God is raising us up to be a light in the darkness. And I do not want doubt to be the thing that fuels our future. I want faith in God to fuel our future. I don't want to water things down. I want to move forward. I want to be excited. I want to cross uh, whatever river he asks us to cross, knowing faithfully that he will provide and that he will come through. So these things I'm sharing with you, these are not just hopes. They're not just dreams. These are things that I believe will become reality. I believe God has called us to do that. I believe one of the reasons why this will be a reality is because we have been a good steward with the things that God has already given us. Over the last 10 years, God has blessed us abundantly. In 2012, we started to renovate a very small space where the current sanctuary is. It was a lot smaller then. Um, and then in 2013, we launched into that space. Uh, we had kids ministry. Uh, we utilized that space very well. We were good stewards of it. Uh, and within two years, we were in a position to buy the whole building. And then over the last few years, uh, we started to uh, take each space uh, and turn that into ministry. We created an amazing environment uh, for student ministry. And slowly but surely, we overtook every single part of this building and we have used it and used it and used it to its fullest extent. My point of sharing all that with you is that we have taken this building. We love this building. God has blessed us with this and we have utilized it to its highest extent. We have been a good steward of this building. Uh, and we believe that just like God provided for us every step of the way over the last 10 years, we believe that he will do the same exact thing over the next 10 years. And we believe the next big step of our journey uh, is to build this new building. And I want you to understand, I believe we have utilized every ounce of our current space. I think that we have, over the last two, three years, we have grown significantly in-house and online through house churches. We are at a place now where we know without a doubt, truly the next step is the building. But I want you to understand what we perceive the building as, what we see this next building as. It's not just a larger worship center. I believe that is, that is needed. I think we need a larger worship center. I think that we need a larger gathering place. Right now, we're at about 80% full uh, and, and about 90% full in the first service, about 80% full in the second service. And we cannot wait until we're busting at the seams to start the project. I believe that we need to not skate to where the puck is. We need to skate to where the puck is going. Now is the time to strike and to build this new building. So yes, we need a new, uh, a, a larger worship space. But I think that this new building is more than that. I, the, the terminology that we've started to use as a team, as a staff, and as a leader, 
leadership team that we believe this next space that we're building is gonna be the hub or the foundation for the next 10 years. All of the things I just shared with you, the vision of this church, the things we wanna see and believe that God will do over the next 10 to 25 years, we believe that this next building is central in that. We believe that it is truly the hub that everything else will be built around. So our heart is to build a new worship facility on the land at St. James Church Road and New Highway 16, and then take our current worship facility and turn that into the school. We wanna take the other side of the building and we wanna go ahead and start a foundational outreach center. We don't wanna wait on that. We want that to be as soon as we build a new building and then we renovate this, this side for the school, we wanna take the other side and we wanna turn that down to the outreach center. What we believe as leaders, what we believe as the core of this church, we believe that this next worship space is a hub. It is a, it's not just a larger space, it's a hub. It's a foundation for the future. We believe that this is what God has called us to do and we have no doubts about it that now is the time to strike. I wanna go ahead and move into the financial breakdown so that we can all know exactly uh, where we are. So the site work, I'll start with the site work. The site work is costing a million dollars to go in, clear the land, get it prepped and ready for the build. The building itself is gonna cost $8 million. When we originally had this building priced out and we were weeks away from breaking ground, the first go around in, in 19 and 20, uh, the building was right under $7 million. And so because of COVID and, and the distribution and, and all of the things that have kind of got flipped upside down, building costs from then to now uh, has pushed the total cost of the building up to $8 million. And that is gonna matter here in just a minute. The total cost of uh, furniture and fixtures, so everything from chairs um, to TVs to, st to stuff in kids ministry to you know all of the stuff inside the building, uh, we've priced that uh, right at $500,000. And we believe that we can get all of that we need uh, for that. Our current building that we have has still a loan on it of $900,000. That will be wrapped up into this loan as collateral. So that would bring the total cost of the bill to $10.4 million. The issue that this has caused, the, the $7 million going to $8 million in the building, is that we originally had everything, including all of our technology and our broadcasting and our worship equipment in the loan, in that original $10.4 million. But because the building cost went from a little under seven to $8 million, uh, we have uh, chosen in wisdom to take the technology and the broadcasting outside of that loan. And we're choosing to raise that money in cash as soon as possible. And so I wanna be very clear here. Uh, the total cost for the building to build a building is $10.4 million. We are gonna bring $1.3 million that we have already saved up. We're gonna bring that to the day of closing. We can and will build a building. We are already moving forward with that. Now, the technology and the broadcasting equipment that we took out of the loan, total cost is $1.4 million. So I wanna take this really fast and I want to be, be as clear as I can. The building cost is 10 point, total deal 10.4 million. We're bringing one three million in cash that we've already saved and raised and we're giving that to do the deal. That's happening 100% moving forward. Now we've got 1.4 million dollars that is needed for the cost, the purchase, and the installation of all of our worship technology, our broadcasting equipment, and our cameras to be able to continue to reach 
uh, people all over the country, all over the world, and, and to start house churches again locally, all over the state, all over the country, and even all over the world. Uh, and so this is what we believe. We believe uh, that that $1.4 million, I believe without a doubt that we can raise that money uh, by the time that we need it. That's why the Giving Sunday, 45 days from now, is such a huge day. We believe that on that day, God will start us off in a crazy right direction from raising that $1.4 million. And so this is one of the things we are asking for the first time in 10 years, we are asking all of our people who are believe Pursuit Church is their home, all of our house churches, all of our, our people who watch at home with their families, we are asking anybody uh, who the Lord uh, has used Pursuit Church in their life over the years, we are asking you to pray about sacrificially giving to this movement and to give to what God is doing. I, I want you to understand that $1.4 million, broadcasting equipment, technology, that stuff is expensive, but we have seen so much fruit from it. I want you to know that we minister to more people outside of the church on Sunday mornings than we do inside the church on Sunday mornings. We have house churches all over the state, all over the country. Uh, we're starting uh, basically followings in house churches uh, in places like South America, uh, in South Africa, and in Australia. Uh, just, it's insane what God is doing. And so we don't believe $1.4 million is too much. We don't believe that at all. In fact, we believe we would be willing to spend even more than that. We believe that that $1.4 million will give us everything we need to continue reaching people. The heart of what we want to do on that Giving Sunday is to raise every dime we need to move forward uh, with the broadcasting, with the technology, uh, and everything else that we need. So this is huge. And we just, we, we, I, I'm, I'm at a place where I have no shame whatsoever. I'm going to give sacrificially. My family's going to give. I know the core of our team is going to give. I know the core of our staff. I know our leadership team. I know our volunteers. I know, I know you guys. I know how faithful you are. And I believe that God is going to work through that faithfulness and do some crazy, amazing stuff. And so that's why that Giving Sunday is so powerful. That's why it's such a big deal. I want to share with you three things in closing. The first is, uh, from a financial standpoint, we take financial accountability so extremely serious at Pursuit. Uh, we uh, have been audited every single year for the last several years by Morrison, Bat, and Wells. It's the large, one of the largest nonprofit CPA firms in the country. They specialize uh, in, in churches and nonprofits. And I just want you to know we have uh, passed with flying colors the last two years. It's been incredible. Also, we are a part of ECFA. This is one of the hardest accreditations to get. This is one of the hardest financial accountability credentials to get as a church. They go through not just the finances, they go through the finances, they go through the processes, they go through the government, they go through the way we make decisions, they go through everything. And we believe with these two forms, we, we are totally and utterly financially accountable, uh, first to God, to the people uh, and to these firms. We believe that this gives us absolute confidence uh, in the future of our church. I wanted to share that with you as we, as we move forward into some of these financial conversations. Uh, the second thing I wanted to share with you is I believe uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that God will provide. He always has, okay, he always has. We have never, ever, ever seen God do anything but provide. And the third and final thing I wanna share with you is I am beyond 
excited, and I have no doubt about the future. I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is gonna work through this plan, that God is gonna work through this church, and God's purposes will prevail. I'm excited about this, I'm excited about the future, and I hope that you are too. Uh, we would love for you guys to ask questions, email us, anything, we wanna do everything on our power to answer. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna share more and more details. And I know this is a long video, we won't have one this long ever again, but we wanted to make sure that you guys knew everything that you needed to know in order to move forward uh, with the house and with the church. Thank you guys so much. I love you. So one of the reasons uh, that, that we wanted to make that video ultimately uh, was we wanted to be able to put all of our heart, all of the vision, all of the things that we felt like our people needed in one space so we can upload that. Uh, you can watch it as much as you want. I would love for you guys to share this uh, with your friends, with your family, with, uh, with the, just with the community so everybody that's a part of Pursuit uh, can see it. Uh, and also, just for a second, I, I want you to know that video was 18 minutes long. Uh, what, the original video that I made was 42 minutes long. Uh, and our director of media spent seven hours uh, and every ounce of his brain getting that down to 18 minutes. Uh, and the heart of that is that we, we just wanted to make sure everything was so clear and so transparent and so uh, just available to us. And so that, that's the heart of what we wanted to do. And I wanted to come here uh, today and I'm about to preach the best hour message you've ever heard in your entire life. I'm just kidding. I, I, I just, I want to share my heart for just a few minutes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing here uh, today, almost to the day, almost to the Sunday of the 10-year anniversary of the first message uh, that I preached as pastor of Pursuit Church. Uh, and it, it has been, over the last 10 years, incredible to see the way that God has moved. Uh, it has been phenomenal. But I want, I want to tell you the truth of it, and I want to use this to open up our heart to the reality of how uh, Pursuit has been so impactful and so effective for the gospel over the last 10 years. Uh, when I stepped in to take over uh, a small little church plant, uh, we were going to replant the church, and there was 50 people involved uh, at the time. And I preached so phenomenally well in the first few weeks that half the church left uh, without even saying goodbye. Uh, and uh, this was uh, incredibly discouraging uh, for my little 25, 24-year-old self. Um, but I'll tell you what it did for me. It created a, a sense of discouragement, honestly, but it created a sense of desperation in my heart. And I started to go to God in prayer like I never had before. And I called all of our people to prayer. And the scriptures that the Lord brought me to was the very scriptures that I preached to us last week. And if you remember last week, and if you weren't here, I'll just give you a, a short synopsis. Uh, this, the Lord took me to Matthew 16, where Jesus Christ himself made some significantly powerful promises to us, to his church, to his people, to his ecclesia. And, and the most dominant one was that he would be the one to build his church. Because what I learned in the first few weeks of starting this church is that I definitely wasn't going to be building any church. And I realized that in that moment that Jesus is the one, that he's the one who builds the church. He's the one who takes that responsibility. And this is a promise that he gives to us. And the second one, he says that I'm going to build the church so strong that not even the gates of hell itself will be able to overpower it, to be able to prevail against it. The heart of this promise is he's saying right here and right now that, that nothing, once I start the church, once, once I begin this movement, once I start this revolution, there is not even death itself will be able to kill it. 
And wrapped up within that promise is just this, this reality that the church was built to expand. It was built to move. It was built to advance. I mean, I think that we make church so boring sometimes. The way Jesus Christ described the advancement of the kingdom of heaven, he said the kingdom of heaven has been advancing uh, violently since the days of John the Baptist, and it's the violent that take it by force. The point Jesus was making is that we are literally at war with hell. We're at war with the uh, devil himself and with sin and that we have been saved by Christ. And now we have a, a burden on us and a mission put on our lives, a calling put on our lives to reach out in the darkness and to save others with the message of the gospel as well. And all of these crazy promises that he gives us in, in Matthew 16, just one right after the other accumulates into this, this, what I believe is the greatest warning, greatest promise potentially in scripture when it comes to living for Jesus. The promise was, he says, that if you will come to a place in your life where you will recognize that I am exactly who I said I am, that I am Jesus, that I'm the Savior, that I'm the King, that I'm the Lord of heaven, I'm the Lord of earth, and you will deny yourself that you'll lay down your hope for life, you'll lay down your desires for life, you will lay down your will, and you will submit to me and surrender to me, and you will begin to live your life for me and for my glory and for the cause of Christ. That he said in that the promise was that if we would deny ourselves, start living the life of thy will be done, he said you will discover who you truly are in Christ, and you will know the purpose of your heart and know the reason why I designed you. Ephesians says that literally every single one of us were designed in a specific specific and powerful way that we, there's only one of us, there's only one of you in the whole universe and in all of history, there's just one of you and God brought you into the world and he designed you and he created you very specifically for a very specific purpose that he will use to further the kingdom of heaven and to further up all the way to eternity, that these are the promises of God. And when I was young, 10 years ago, uh, and I, I feel like the older I get, the more I'm realizing, the older I get, uh, I know there's some people that would make fun of me because I'm only 35, but uh, I had a bunch of activity on Friday and I woke up on Saturday and it was one of the first days where I realized I am older than I used to be. <laughs> but over the last 10 years, this been these promises that have motivated me and empowered me and strengthened me. And this is the heart of what I, I want to say this morning, just for a few minutes. What are we supposed to do with the promises of God? What are we supposed to do when Jesus makes a promise to us, when there are countless promises from Genesis to Revelations, what are we supposed to do with a promise from God? Believe, Believe amen, to that. But beyond that, there's a reality that we see in the life of David. I think that if you were to pinpoint David's secret sauce, it would be what the promises of God did internally and externally to him. I want to read this to you, and I want us to learn from this, and I want us to challenge each other with this over the next 45 days. In 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 7, starting with verse 25, right prior to this, God delivers to David some significantly great and powerful promises. Some of them were just for David. Some of them were for the house and the family of David. Some of them were eternal and even connected to the church itself today. But one after the other, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God delivered these crazy, powerful promises to David. And in response, David began to glorify God and worship God and lay his life down before the Father. But then in, in 2 Samuel 7 verse 25, we get to see David's actual response specifically to the promises of God. 
And I want to read this, and I believe that this morning this will allow us uh, to see, truly see the heart of what the promises of God can mean and do in our heart and in our life and bring us to. This is what uh, David starts to say, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 25. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say the Lord Almighty is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. In verse 27, this is the key verse. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. So I want us to make sure that we don't miss the reality of what is happening in this moment. This was King David. This was that shepherd boy that God brought up from the fields and made him king over his people. This is the one who saw God deliver Goliath over to him, who saw God bring him all the way up to the kingship, who saw God bring him great provision and power and victory all through the course of his life. But it was still up to this moment in time that David still lacked the courage to pray great and powerful prayers over his life and over his house and over his family and over his future. Future. This is something that I think that not just David struggled with. I think that this is something that all humans struggle with. I think that we as followers of Christ, we struggle with this, that I think that so often we forget how big, how great, and how powerful our God truly is. I think so often what we do is we let the news and we let what's going on in culture and we let what's going on around the world and we let the economy and we let the president and we let politics and we let a lot of other things dictate the direction our life is going to go and dictate the hope that we have for our future. But in reality, I believe one of the weakest parts of the American church is we have forgotten that our God is literally the king of the universe, that he is the creator, that he's the savior, that we don't serve an old distant God that was buried and still six feet down somewhere in the Middle East that we serve a God who was raised from the dead, that he is a living and resurrected king. And if we would just for a few moments uh, let, let the reality of how big our God is, let the reality of how crazy powerful our God is, let the reality of his ability just sink in, that we would begin to see that our future in this life and forever uh, is in the hands of an all-powerful, almighty God, that we should let our life start to be shaped by the power and the ability and the bigness of God rather than what we see going around the world and the smallness of ourselves. And David said it was the promises of God that gave him courage to begin to pray these great and powerful prayers. When you know how big God is and you know the truth of who God is in this life, then his promises carry a power that others don't know. For David, he understood how big God was. He understood how glorifying God was. He understood how majestic God was. He understood the ability of God. He knew that God was all powerful. And so when God made him a promise, this gave him courage in his heart. This gave him strength in his heart. This gave him faith in his heart. And what he did was, and I think this was the secret to David's life. I think this was the thing. If you go through and you read the Psalms, uh, this backs this up. I think the secret sauce to David's life was that he turned every single promise of God into a prayer. That when God made a promise to David, it gave him strength, it gave him courage, and it gave him faith. 
not just to move forward, but to begin to pray specifically big prayers over his life. That's the heart of what he's doing here in this moment. That's the heart of what's happening in this moment is David saying, I've seen your hand move significantly. I've seen your power at work. So now you've made these crazy promises to me. So I'm letting these promises fuel my faith. I'm letting these promises give me strength and I'm letting these promises give me absolute courage. And now I'm gonna begin to pray these big, long-term, eternal, crazy prayers. He started to let the bigness of God and the power of God be what dictates his vision of the future rather than him Himself and the people who surrounded him. I believe that what God is doing at Pursuit Church from day one has been significantly bigger than any one person or any group of people. And the power, and I thank God every day that I preach so horribly that half the church left, that I was so discouraged that it created a desperation in my heart that I came to God in that quiet place, that I developed a prayer life that shook my world up. And that, during that season, when I came to Matthew 16 and I saw these crazy promises that God had made us, that God had made his church, that Jesus Christ made his church, I took those promises and it built a courage in me, it built a strength in me, and it built a faith in me and within our church. And we started to take those promises and turn them into prayer. And I remember the very first time I got all the people together and we started to pray on Friday nights. And we started to do 21 days of prayer. I think in the first year or two, we did like six 21 days of fasting and prayer. That's how desperate we were for God. I think everybody did the first 21 days, and I think I was probably by myself the rest of the 21 days. But we were desperate for God's hand to move. When I looked out and I saw the world and I saw the culture, I saw there were so many weak Christians, so many weak churches, so many people riding behind the eight ball of the world and the culture, letting everything else kind of scare them. There's so many things in each generation to be afraid of. I mean, right now we got the economy, we got fools running this country, we got war going on in Ukraine, we got all these crazy things. And I'm telling you, if you do not have your faith and your eyes directed at God, this world will terrify you into living your life for nothing this, but that if we will, like David, no matter how big the giant is, we keep our eyes on God and we say, the battle is yours and I'm not afraid to challenge this. I'm not afraid to move forward in faith, not because I'm strong, but because the God I serve is strong. And what I've got to see over the last 10 years, it only took a few people who would just truly begin to humble their hearts and humble their minds and surrender their self and begin to pray to God. Do you know how, how much faith, true, genuine faith it takes to walk into a room, turn the lights off, get alone with God, close the door behind you and pray to a God you've never seen? You are either insanity or you are touching heaven. And there is no in between. I have watched prayer literally lead the way in this house. And the thing that I think that is so mind-blowing is there's so many people who drive up and down this road every day and they only look at this as a shopping center. I literally, multiple people said, yeah, I felt like I wanted to try the church out, but it was in a shopping center, so I just drove past it for five years. That we're in this little itty-bitty building in the southeast. I don't know if you guys grew up here. I don't want to make you mad or upset, but people really value their steeples around here. They really love their pews. They really love that religious system and those traditions. And there's not, they're not all bad. But I'm going to tell you something. When the religion and the tradition and the pews and the steeple mean more to you than changing the world, you've stopped being a part of the church of Jesus Christ and you've started being a part of the American religious system. 
And what prayer does, and I'm gonna tell you this right here, what prayer does more than anything else Prayer does not move the hand of God. Prayer does not change God's will. Prayer changes you and moves you in alignment with God's will. The thing that changes the most about you when you begin to pray is you. And this was the heart of David. This is the heart of the church you are a part of. If you're a part of Pursuit Church, this is the foundation of this church. I believe that Jesus Christ said the church, the, the, the gathering place, the temple, the physical building uh, from prior to the, the cross, to, to past the cross, he says it's going to be a house of prayer. Not a house of preaching, not even a, a, a house of gathering, not even a, a house of giving, not a house of sacrifice, not a house of... It's going to be a house of prayer. That this is who we are before we are anything else. And that this, I believe right now, people have... Other pastors have joked uh, with me. I think some of it was joking. I think some of it was just being mean and maybe for real. Uh, but they were like, how does that little itty bitty church in the shopping center baptize 800 people in six years? Prayer. How, how, how does that shopping center, that little shopping center and that little punk that stands on the stage and yells at everybody, how does, how does that guy have house churches in South America and in South Africa and Australia and all over the country? Prayer. How does he take a young, arrogant, helpless punk and actually use him to do anything. Do you know the greatest encouragement that I have is the time that God used a donkey in the Old Testament to speak and change someone's life. And I said, if God can use the donkey, he can use me. There is no man, there is no woman, there is no group of people that can change someone's life. It's only God through them. And prayer is the thing that, I believe this, prayer is the one thing that stands in between a church that is alive and a church that is dead. The word of God is epically powerful, but it's prayer that gives us an understanding of it. It's prayer that brings it to life. It's prayer. When I, when I come and I stand on this stage, it's, it's not just study. And I study for hours every single week, but I pray just as much or more. Prayer is the thing that has, I believe has built this church. And in every season where we, we have been in a, in a moment like this, where we're in the precipice of a new, a new season, we're in the precipice of a new direction, Every single time we go to prayer and every single time God moves in our hearts and in our minds. And so there are seven prayers that I want us to pray every single day. This is the challenge just for 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day that you would get alone with the Lord and that you would pray these seven prayers over your life and over your family and over this church and over this community. Each of these seven prayers, they're based in a promise that Jesus made us in Matthew 16 and other places in scripture. I believe wholeheartedly if we will commit to seeking God in this way that, and we humble ourselves before God in this way, I believe that he will exalt us and that he will raise us up and that he will continue to use this house. So these are the seven prayers and we're, we're gonna post these. They'll be everywhere. They'll, you don't, we'll send them to you. We'll send them right to your phone. These are the seven prayers. Pray that God aligns our hearts with his will. 
God's will will be done. God's purposes will be achieved. Job cries out, nothing can thwart the purposes of God. And so my prayer for you, for your family, for this house, for this church, is that God will align our hearts with his will, with his purpose. Pray that the spirit of God will bring unity to his church. This was so powerful to Jesus that this was one of the last things that he discussed, taught about, and prayed for himself prior to the death and burial and resurrection, unity. Pray that the spirit of God brings unity to his church. Pray that he provides every single thing that we need. Pray this, that he provides every single thing that we need. Pray that he expands our influence and impact in our community, in our country, and beyond. Pray that he raises up servant leaders of all types. Pray that he uses us to reach and save the lost. Pray this one more than you pray any other one. Pray that he uses this house to reach and save the lost. Pray that he blesses this house abundantly in every way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read to you the prayer, the actual prayer that David said in 2 Samuel, says that I now have courage to pray this prayer. This is the prayer that he, 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 he confessed, that I did not have the courage to pray this prayer until I knew your promises. I didn't have the strength to pray this prayer until I, I knew the promises that you've made to me. And now that you've made these promises, I have the courage to pray this prayer. And this was the prayer he prayed, 2 Samuel 7, 29. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. David said, I now have courage because of your promises to pray for your blessing over my house forever, for all of eternity. This was a significant prayer that God has answered David, even right here and right now, us being in this room, is God still answering that prayer of David. And so I wanna read these one more time. We'll post these, they'll be everywhere. 10 minutes a day, that's what I'm asking you. I believe that this will change your life. If prayer is not a part of your life, I think that this will change your life. And if prayer is a part of your life, then you know, and I pray that you have the expectation of what God is gonna do in your life, in your family, and in our church. Pray that God aligns our hearts in his will. Pray that the spirit of God will bring unity to his church. Pray that he provides every single thing we need. Pray that he expands our influence and impact in our community, our country, and beyond. Pray that he raises up servant leaders of all types. Pray that he uses us to reach and save the lost. And pray that he blesses this house abundantly in every way forever. I'll tell you the power and the confidence that I have in Christ and the reason that I know that we will succeed in every way not because I think that Pursuit Church is special in some way. The name Pursuit will come and go in a generation. I pray that it's gone 100 years from now because it's not about that. We are connected to the kingdom of heaven. We are connected to something that goes beyond ourselves. We are connected to the church of the living King Jesus Christ. And the promises that he has made to his church, made to you and made to me, these are the things that gives me strength. These are the things that give me courage. These are the reasons why I know and believe without doubt that we will see everything that he wants to come to pass will come to pass. 
I believe that we will continue to grow and expand. I think that our house churches will continue to grow and expand. I think that there'll still be people, that, thousands of people that will come to salvation. I think that every single thing, and you mark my words, every single thing that we just mentioned that we believe God wants to do in this community in the next 10 to 25 years, I think every single one without doubt will come to be. I have no doubt about that. Not because I'm confident in myself or I'm confident in some strategy. I'm confident in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I've watched his hand move for the last 10 years. I know how big our God is. I know the promises of God and they build a courage in me and a faith in me. And I will pray these promises every day until I see them come to pass. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Come on. And with that 1.4 million, I would spend 10 because I know what we, I'm telling you, we do everything in our power for you to be able to see what God is doing beyond this building and beyond this community, but it's, it's insane. I believe without doubt, I've watched God provide every dime we've ever needed, every resource we've ever needed from day one. I have no doubt about this. I believe that 1.4, I'm operating like we already have it in the bank and that is the truth. And so I'm excited for that Giving Sunday. I'm excited for that. It's the first Sunday in November. I believe God is gonna move and I would ask you to pray about sacrificially giving to that. But I'm telling you that beyond that, I believe God is gonna move in our hearts, move in our minds. I think he's gonna raise up leaders in this very room. I think he's gonna raise up more. There's people right now watching at home just with your family. I think God's gonna raise you up to start a house church. I think some of these house churches that are running 10 and 15 are gonna start running 25 and 50. I think that these house churches are gonna turn into church plants. I think that we are just at the beginning of what God is gonna do in this house. I have no doubt about it. This is just another step in the direction. If God lets me live, I will serve this house, serve Jesus, and serve this community until y'all kick me out at 65 or 70. I'm not quitting. Y'all will have to kick me out. But I believe in what God is doing, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so excited to be a part of it, and I hope that you are too. So this, this uh, Monday, we're going to start 10 minutes a day, pray these prayers, and I cannot wait to see what God does. Are you guys as excited as I am? Come on, are y'all as excited as I am? I love y'all with all of my heart. I promised you I would not preach for an hour after that long video, and I'm a man of my word. I love you guys with all my heart. I'm having the adventure of a lifetime. Cannot wait to see what God does. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you, Lord. I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful, God, that we get to be a part of your church. We get to be a part of your kingdom. We get to be a part of your movement. Father God, I pray, Lord, right here, right now in this moment, that you would just begin to establish, God, this desperation in our hearts, God, that we would go to you, Father, as individuals, that you would go to you as couples, that we would go to you as families, that we would come to you as a church, God, begin to pray, begin to seek your heart, seek your face, God. I pray, Lord, that you will move in our lives, move in our families, and move in this church, Father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you've done. And thank you even more in advance for all you're gonna do in your holy name, amen. I love you guys.